I don't care how you got here or how your day began, I'm just glad you're here. Welcome to Grace Church. My name is Bill Walker. Happy Easter. Okay, let's try that one more time. Happy Easter. Why, thank you. Now, do me a favor. Look at the person's footwear sitting near you, and if you see pink fuzzy slippers, put your arm around that person and say, it's okay, I'm glad you're here. And find any pink fuzzy slippers? Any guys with pink fuzzy slippers on? Okay. You see, when in such a hurry, they grab their wife's slippers. That's how that happens. Actually, you know what? Because our lives are basically so busy, and, and, and we're always running at such a frenetic pace, what I'd like you to do right now is I would like you to look to the person to the right or to the left in front or in back, and I'd like you to say to them, it's okay, I'm glad you're here. Take just a few minutes and do that, would you? Okay, awesome. Anybody not get breakfast? Anybody else not get breakfast? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, anybody else not get breakfast? Uh, oh, I almost did it. This is dangerous. I'll just give you that one. <laughs> wow, those things are nasty, sticky, sweet. Yes. Awesome. Well, again, I am glad you are here, and I just want you to know it's okay. Whatever is going on in your life today, right now I want to tell you it's okay. And the reason why it's okay is because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come into our world. He has died on the cross for your sin, and he has risen again. And because of that, it's okay. And can I just say that Jesus Christ didn't die and rise again just to deal with your death and destiny. It deals with that as well. But Jesus Christ died and rose again to deal with your life and your living every single day. And it's that that I want to kind of wrap our thoughts around this morning. The idea that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ makes a difference in everyday life. Now, in order to do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this backdrop that we've been using called The Case for Christ. How many folks actually saw the movie? Oh, look at all the hands go up. Awesome. We rented out two theaters on Friday night, had about 160 people show up to watch the movie The Case for Christ. How was it? Awesome. Yeah, I thought the same thing. It was great. And everybody else is like, who didn't see it? It's like, oh, what, what was it about? What was it about? Well, let me just give you a little bit of background here so that we can journey together and make sense of what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, so the byline is this. It is one man's journey to solve the biggest mystery of all time. That one man is a man by the name of Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was an avowed atheist. He was, he was a man who was an award-winning journalist with the Chicago Tribune. Uh, he was a man who was all about the facts. He went to uh, the University of Missouri where he received a journalism degree. Then he went on to Yale Law School and got his master's degree. So this man was all about the truth. Give me the facts. I want to know what's, what this is so that I can understand it. Everything involved truth and facts to him. Well, his journey was 
something that he started to disprove Christianity. And there's a reason. You see, this is his wife. His wife came to know Jesus Christ in a personal way. And she began to follow Jesus Christ with her life. And in Lee Strobel's mind, she's following a fantasy. Or worse, she's caught up in a cult. And so he pursued debunking Christianity with all his effort. He spent almost two years reading everything he got his hands on, uh, researching and interviewing people all across the country, all in an effort to disprove Christianity. But in his own words, Lee Strobel said this. He said, I thought there was no basis for Christianity. He says, but the more I investigated it, the reality became this. It takes more faith not to believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ than it takes to disbelieve it. And so this man finally embraced Jesus Christ by faith. And if you remember in the movie, he and his wife got down on their knees at their coffee table. And there he knelt his head and he received the person of Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. It's a beautiful movie. It's a beautiful movie. As Dennis mentioned, uh, it'll be in the theater down the road here in Brandywine for the, next, uh, the rest of this week until about Thursday. I, I want to encourage you, if you haven't seen it, see it. It's, it's a good movie to see. What we're going to do is this. I'm going to introduce you to Lee Strobel. It's not like he's in the green room back here. No, and I don't mean that. Uh, but I'm going to share with you a video clip uh, of Lee Strobel sharing his testimony. It's about 10 minutes long, so bear with me. It's about 10 minutes long, and it's, it's Lee Strobel sharing his thoughts after watching the movie which represented his life. It's very, very well done. When he's done talking, I just want to stand up here and say a couple of things that I think will help connect the truth of Jesus Christ to our lives, and then we will be done this morning. So right now, I want to introduce for you none other than Lee Strobel himself. Hi, I'm Lee Strobel, and uh, I just had a, a remarkable experience. Uh, Leslie and I got to see for the first time uh, the Case for Christ movie. And it's based on the true story of my journey from atheism to faith. But, um, you know, it's a very honest film in many ways. And it isn't easy sometimes for me to relive some of those days uh, when I was living a very narcissistic and hedonistic lifestyle. I mean, I was an atheist, and, and to me, uh, if there is no God, if there is no heaven or hell or judgment or accountability, then I concluded the most logical way to live my life would be as a hedonist. And so I lived a very uh, profane and drunken, uh, self-centered life. Um, I had a lot of anger because... I was always after the perfect high. And, you know, everything would let me down. Nothing would live up to the hype. So I had a lot of rage. I remember uh, getting so mad once, uh, talking to my wife about an argument that we got in. I just reared back and kicked a hole right through our living room wall, just out of rage. And my wife was crying, our daughter was crying. And, you know, it, it, it was a difficult life. My, People saw my success. I was legal editor of the Chicago Tribune. I was winning awards for investigative reporting, doing television, writing books. But what they didn't see was me literally drunk in the snow in an alley on Saturday night. I mean, it got to the point where our little daughter, Allison, uh, if she was alone in the living room playing with some blocks or toys and heard me come home from work through the front door, her natural reaction was just to gather her toys and go in her room and shut the door. Is he going to be drunk again? 
So you can be yelling and, and, and screaming and kicking holes in walls. At least it's nice and quiet in here. I mean, that is the ugliest truth about what my life was like. Of course, it was Leslie who came to faith first in Christ uh, through a friend who reached out to her, invited her to church. And, and uh, of course, when Leslie told me she'd become a Christian, I just thought that was the worst possible news. I first word that went through my mind was divorce. I, I, I thought she was going to turn into some you know, holy roller or something or, and spend all her time on skid row serving the poor or whatever. It's not what I signed up for. I was going to walk out, but I stuck around. And, and what shocked me in the following months were the positive changes in her character and in her values and the way she related to me and the children. And it was winsome and it was attractive. And so finally one Sunday morning when I was sleeping off a hangover, uh, she was getting ready to go to church, and she said, why don't you come to church with me today? And I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and get around this cult you know, that she's involved in. So she took me to a church meeting in a movie theater, and uh, the pastor got up to preach. He was a young guy. I don't even think he was shaven yet. Uh, but he explained the Christian message, and here I was, like almost 30 years old. It was the first time I understood it. And I walked out that day saying two things. First, I was still an atheist. He didn't convince me that day that God exists. But secondly, I realized if this stuff is true, this has huge implications for my life. And so that's the day I decided to take my legal training and journalism training and investigate. Is there any credibility to Christianity or any other religion? And it launched on what turned out to be a nearly two-year investigation of the evidence. And you see that investigation unfolding in the Case for Christ movie. You see the conflict it created in our marriage because all of a sudden we weren't on the same page anymore. Um, we would argue about how to raise the kids, how to spend our money. She wanted to give money to the church. I said, no way. Might as well flush it down the toilet. Um, how we spend our weekends and uh, all these issues became um, conflict points in our marriage and really turned into a lot of tension, a lot of arguing and bickering. It's a very difficult time. You see that portrayed in the film. But what you also see is my investigation of the evidence. And over time, based on the historical data, I became convinced that Jesus not only claimed to be the Son of God, he backed it up by returning from the dead. And that's when I realized that it was time to reach a verdict. And the key verse for me at that moment was John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And that equation that that verse represents, believe plus receive equals become, got me to the point of saying, yes, I do believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be. I do believe I'm a sinner. I do believe I need his gift of grace in my life. I came to the point of believing, but then I had to receive. Receive what? Receive Jesus as my forgiver and leader. Receive this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that he purchased for me on the cross when he died as my substitute to pay for all of my sin. And when I would receive that gift of his grace with a prayer of repentance and faith, I would become a child of God. And so I prayed that prayer. And sure enough, over time, my values, my character, my philosophy, my attitudes, my relationships, my priorities, all of these things over time began to change for the good. 
So much so that our little daughter, Allison, who grew up first five years of her life, all she knew was a dad who was absent, angry, kicking holes in walls, coming home drunk. That was her, that was her whole experience. But starting on that Sunday afternoon, she started to notice something's changing with dad. Something's different with dad. Something's new with dad. She's only five years old, but she could observe, she could listen, she could watch, and she did. And it took about four or five months. And then finally, one Sunday morning, she went up to her Sunday school teacher and she said, I want God to do for me what he's done for daddy. And at age five, she received this free gift of God's grace, became a child of God, and today she's married to a seminary graduate. She's an author, she's a novelist, she writes fiction, but always with the message of Jesus embedded in it. She's the mother of two of my four precious grandchildren, and we're the best of friends. And same thing with my son. He saw the difference God was making in his mom and his dad and his sister, and he came to faith at a young age too. But he took an academic route, ended up with a master's degree in philosophy of religion, another master's degree in New Testament, and then after many years of research and study at Yale University and at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland, he was awarded his PhD in theology. And now you know what he does? He's a pastor, or a, he is a pastor, but he's also a professor at the second largest Christian university in America, Biola University in California, at their Talbot School of Theology, teaching young people about Jesus. And just three years ago, his wife gave birth to our first grandson, and he named him after his dad. Friends, God healed our family. He changed my wife. He changed me. He changed my son. He changed my daughter. And now I'm seeing my grandchildren come to faith. And my, my oldest grandchild, Abigail, just 10 years old, went on her first missions trip and led another little girl to faith in Jesus Christ. So this transformation is now going down through the generations. So watching it on film and seeing it on a screen, um, as you can imagine, is a, a mixture of emotions. There's laughter about the silly things we did. There's remorse about so many things that I did. Um, but a lot of things as we were watching the filming take place, I'll just mention one of them because it had a profound effect on me. In the film, my father is played by a terrific character actor named Robert Forster. He's been in like 130 movies. Uh, he was an Academy Award nominee, and he looks a lot like my dad. Well, my dad and I had a terrible relationship. Um, he caught me on the eve of my high school graduation lying to him about a motorcycle I had purchased. And uh, he looked at me and said, I don't have enough love for you to fill my little finger. And it caused a rift in our relationship that never really healed. And my dad died before we really fully reconciled. Um, and so we're watching as the scenes are being filmed of this conflict between uh, Robert Forster playing my dad and Mike Vogel playing me. And we're seeing this unfold. And during a break in the filming, Robert Forster, I hadn't met him yet, came walking over to me and he stayed in character as my father. And he walked over to me and he stood in front of me and he put his arm on my shoulder and he looked me in the eye and he said, Lee, I'm sorry. 
And I thought, what a tender thing for this great actor to do. Playing my father in the role of my father. Seeking to reconcile the rift in our relationship. Saying the words that I wished I'd heard from him when he was alive. Feeling his hand on my shoulder. And it was quite an emotional moment of healing that took place on the set of this movie. Um, so as I say, you know, this movie personally conjures up all kinds of emotions. And I, I think it will in you as well, that you'll relate to my journey from skepticism to belief, relationship with a dad that's uncertain, a marriage that was in turmoil. Maybe something about this film will connect with you on an intellectual level, because the evidence for the resurrection and the truth of Christianity is in this movie, but also on an emotional level, because God often deals with us in our emotions. So I hope you enjoy the film. I know we'll see it differently, because it's my life. And so I'm watching this. I'm seeing it differently than you will see it. But John Gunn, the director, and Brian Bird, the writer of the script, and the actors, Mike Vogel and Erica Christensen and others, do such an incredible job of bringing you into my world that I hope there's something in there you will relate to through your mind and through your heart as well. What a story, isn't it? And uh, what I like about Lee Strobel's story is that it, it shows us a lot about the grace of God. Grace is that which is unearned or undeserved, but yet touches, forgives, and changes our lives. Think about Lee Strobel for just a second. Here is a man who was angry, a, a man who was abusive, uh, a man who was an alcoholic, and he was an atheist. I'm not sure how much further you can run from God than Lee Strobel had run, but in his distance from God, he actually committed himself to disproving the reality of God. And in all of that, what I love in this story is that the grace of God still reached out and touched Lee Strobel that far from God and forgave him his sin and began to change him. The grace of God is so remarkable that I can say with assurance right now, right here, that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, and no matter what you have done, the grace of God can reach you, touch you, forgive you, and change you. That is what God's grace does. God reaches out even to the worst of people. You may not consider yourself the worst of people, but even the worst of people, God's grace can reach and touch and change them. The reason that God can do this is because of something called love. Ever heard of love? One of my favorite parts in the movie is where Lee Strobel is standing before the priest. And he says to him, listen, if he's the son of God, and, and, and if he had all this power, why would he subject himself to this? And the priest stood there. He said, the reason I came out of the dirt as an archaeologist and became a priest in the church is because of love. 
It is the love of God that reaches out to us no matter how far we may have run from him. You see, friends, you can never do something bad enough that God cannot forgive it. Why? Again, because of this thing called the cross of Jesus Christ. What we have here is the second person of the Trinity who encased himself in humanity through the womb of the Virgin Mary. And he went on to live the life we were supposed to live, perfection. Complete obedience to the will of the Father, always doing that thing which pleases him. We were supposed to do that, but we failed. So he did it. So he lived the life we were supposed to live, but then he died the death that we were meant to die. Because the soul that sins, it should die. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. So God said in love, I will die for you in my son you can't run far enough away that god's love and grace cannot reach you touch you and change you again i, I love the verses in the bible there's so many of them the bible's replete with the beautiful love of god uh, john three sixteen. ever heard of that verse john three sixteen? uh yes no maybe okay my goodness it, it is perhaps the best known verse in all of the bible you know if you actually had john three sixteen open in your lap and you had a red letter bible you would discover these are words off jesus's lips they're in red. And Jesus said this, For God so loved the world, not the planet, the people, you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So that came off the lips of Jesus, and then he went to the cross to prove it. This is what God does. This is what God does. Another verse, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. I love that verse. It says this, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loves us and gave his son to be a suitable sacrifice for our sins. Again, Romans chapter 5 in verse 8 says this, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, doing our own thing, running the other direction, Christ died for us. What I love about Lee Strobel's story is this, that he could not run too far away for the grace of God to reach and touch and change his life. And you're here today, I just want you to know exactly the same thing. You cannot run away far enough from the grace of God that he cannot touch and change and forgive you for the sin that may be in your life. He did that for Lee. He did that for me. And he can do that for you. That's the beauty of this story. His story is so replete with so many truths. So one of those is that the grace of God can reach anybody. But the second thing that I really like about his story also is the power of God to change a life. Again, Lee Strobel referred to himself as, as basically uh, an angry, um, abusive, alcoholic atheist, right? That's kind of who he was. And yet... After he met Jesus Christ, the result in his life was he now became a compassionate, loving, committed husband and father. Radically changed his life. And this is what Jesus Christ does. Jesus Christ transforms people's lives. He, Jesus is in the transformation business. That's who he is. That's what he does. That's, that's what he does. He's not content simply to forgive you your sins and to take you to heaven someday. His goal is to transform your life along the way and to give you a life that's radically worth living. What is it in your life? What is it in your life 
that's got you trapped? Relationship, an addiction, anger, some, some kind of character flaw? I don't know. What is it that's got you? I want you to hear what the scriptures say. This is what Jesus does. This comes from Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Listen. We were buried, therefore, with him into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So you see, it is the death of Jesus on the cross that deals with the penalty for our sins so he can forgive us. But it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that unleashes the power of God in our lives to change us. This is what God does. This is what God did for Lee. This is what God did for me. And he can do it for you too. This is our God. My favorite part of his story, my favorite part of his story is not simply that the grace of God could reach him. It's not simply that the grace of God could change him. My favorite part of his story is that God changed his entire family. How many of you would love to have a transformed family? How many of us wish that we could somehow lop off our family tree and start all over again? Well, you can't lop it off, but you can start it all over again. You can start a brand new wave of generations of people who love and follow Jesus Christ with their lives. I love it. Lee was upset with his wife who came to Christ. Later, he came to Christ. God healed their marriage. But not only that, his little daughter saw the change and she came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So did his son when he saw the change in his sister and his parents. And so, so now they're growing up. Now his grandchildren are starting to get this, this understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And they're starting to become followers of Jesus. And his granddaughter led a little girl to Christ in a missions trip. Do you see generations now being transformed by the grace of God? This is what God does. He doesn't want to stop with you. Come on, you're good. Yeah, he loves you by all means. But he wants to use you to see transformation for generations to come. This is the story of God. It is Lee's story. It is my story. It can be your story. The question is, how? How can this be true in my life and in my experience? Again, I love uh, the words or the, the verse of scripture that Lee Strobel used to speak of how he came to Jesus Christ. And it was first John, I'm sorry, John 1 12. And it says this: But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Now, Lee said he saw a formula here. I don't know that the Bible's real big on formulas. It's real big on relationship. But playing it out as Lee did, it begins with to believe. To believe. And the question is, what am I supposed to believe? Well, here we go. I'm going to help you, and you're going to help me. All right. This is what we're supposed to believe. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe? Well, let's try that again. I'm afraid most of you don't. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe it? Jesus Christ became a man through the womb of the Virgin Mary. Do you believe it? 
Jesus Christ went on to live an absolutely perfect life. Do you believe it? Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Do you believe it? He rose again the third day. Do you believe it? He's ascended to the right hand of God on high. Do you believe it? That's what you're supposed to believe. Congratulations. You believe the right things. This is the foundation upon which faith rests. But I want you to understand, just believing that truth is insufficient. You see, he says we are to believe and we are to receive. This is key. A lot of people believe in God. You can ask almost anybody, oh, I believe in God. But have you embraced Jesus Christ with your life? That's the bigger question. The word receive here simply means to grasp. It means to, to accept, to embrace if it were a person. And so we are to receive who? Him, him, it's a person. So if we're to receive Jesus Christ, we do that by embracing him with our life. And so I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he entered into this world through the womb of the Virgin Mary. I believe he lived the perfect life. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again the third day. I believe he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And I receive him as my Lord and the leader of my life. When you receive him, the Bible says he then gives you the authority or the right to become children of God. A simple question for you. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? If so, have you received him as the Lord and leader of your life? If you do, you become a child of God. Dwell on that thought for just a moment just a moment. The band's going to play for a few seconds, and then we're going to come up and close in a word of prayer. But I want you to think in your mind, I believe, I believe, but have I received? I want to help you with that in just a moment. Was bought with the precious. 
desire is to become a child of God, I invite you to express these words to God the Father as I pray them out loud. Dear God, oh dear God, I want to be your child. I want to have my sin forgiven. I want to have my guilt away. Oh God, help me. I believe. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He came into this world through the womb of the Virgin Mary. I believe He went on to live a perfect life. I believe He died on the cross for my sins. I believe He arose again the third day. And I believe today He is at the right hand of God the Father. Dear God, I believe these things. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I turn from my own way, my own sense of truth, to He who alone is the way, the truth, and the life. I embrace Jesus, O oh God, as my Savior for sin and the Lord of my life. Father, you say that if we believe and receive, that you will give us the right to become your children. I claim that right. I claim that right. In Jesus' name. receive Jesus Christ today, 
I would love the opportunity to talk with you about what all that means and to help walk alongside you to experience the fullness of what God wants to do in your life. But before we engage and talk, we need to rejoice in our risen Savior. Would you stand with us?